again, thank you for being here. We bless you. We bless you. If you want to open your Bible to Romans chapter 12, that's where we're going to start. And I just want to give a quick word today about where we're at as a house and kind of what we're asking and believing the Lord for. And so we'll be in Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 1. And today I am going to read from the, uh, the Passion Translation. And so uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I'm just going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. It says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper, proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Come on. What should we do because of his mercy? He says we should surrender ourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and to live in holiness. Everyone say in holiness. holiness. Amen. To live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes our genuine expression of worship. And then he gives us an instruction. Stop imitating the ideals the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Everyone say amen to that. Amen. Put our hands on our head. Jesus, reform my thinking. Amen, amen. Whew. It says this will empower you. So what will happen when we have a transformed way of thinking, a transformed mind? We will be empowered to discern God's will as we live a beautiful life, satisfying uh, and perfect in his eyes. So everyone say amen to that. Amen. amen. We'll go to the next slide. I don't know if I have control of it or not. It's just not doing well. So thank you. All right. Do not let the world squeeze you into its mold is what it says here. Literally, that's what it means. It says the world is pressing in on you from every side and it's trying to squeeze you into its mold. And uh, Paul is telling the people in Rome, don't do that. Don't let the world squeeze you into their mold. And how many would say that's a good word for us in the world we live in today? Everywhere we go, we are being pressed in on every side from every side of us. We talked a little bit about the, su the suffering that we go through, but we're also under this intense pressure to bow to the world system. You know, I had a great conversation with Josiah on the way to work here, on the way to church here today, and he was talking about work, and he went and hung out with some friends last night after work, and he was just describing how so few people he's ever met have a similar lifestyle as him. Like he's, he's working at, at, you know, God's restaurant, Chick-fil-A, right? I mean, <laughs> in that God's restaurant, I mean, they're closed on Sunday. Right? That's got to count for something. Thank you. Um, and so he was saying, Dad, it, I thought there would be more people that kind of grew up the way I am or being raised. He goes, it's not that way at all. He goes, and I've found myself often having to tell them, hey, guys, I don't live the same lifestyle as you. Like, you can do your thing, but I just need you to know that I don't live that lifestyle. And so if you want to talk about those things, either it's going to make me uncomfortable. I'm yeah. kind of his word. I'm using my words. but it's, it, it, it causes me to distance from the conversation because I have nothing in common with it. Um, or it makes me want to leave the conversation. So if you want to be that way and talk that way, then you can do that when I'm not around. But when I'm around, I appreciate we talk about things that matter, basically. And I was like... Good job, Joe. Yeah. We're proud of you. But what he was saying was like, I'm not going to be compressed into the world system. Like I can be in the world. And it's really important we learn how to be in the world. Like I made a really bad mistake most of my life as an adult on trying to just withdraw myself from the world and just totally surround myself in the church culture. You're like, well, that sounds like a really good idea. It's a horrible idea. We weren't brought into the kingdom 
so that we can sit in a nice church and only be around people that think the same same way we do. Because in that setting, we never get to actually find out if we've been transformed or not. Because if everyone around us pretty much thinks the same way, we're not being pressed. We're not being, uh, having our rough edges worn off by the, by the world. And it's important that when we're in the world system, we learn how to be there and not give up ourselves and not give up our convictions and to be a good person that they actually want to be around even though they know we're a Christian. And that's what I loved about what Joe was telling me is that he's like, they know I'm a pastor's kid and what I believe and how I'm strong on this, this thing and this thing. And they still want to be around me. And they invite, I was like, that's right, because Christ in you is attractive. Plus, you're a good kid, you know, and the world needs us to know how to be in the world, but not be conformed. And we've made two mistakes as a church in the last 40 to 50 years in this culture war. We've done one of two things. We've pulled ourselves into the church and closed the doors. Or we've become like the world. A little bit more, a little bit more over time. And Paul is warning them. He's like, hey, guys, I know the culture all around you is terrible. Like, like the, the culture that he's speaking to right now was very similar to the one we're in today. It was Rome. <laughs> it was Rome as it was becoming one of the most powerful forces on the planet. They had their, their tentacles all over the earth. They were sending people everywhere and, and claiming territory for Rome. And they had the, the, the crazy stuff we have going on now was going on then. I mean, you know, we watched the movie Gladiator and we love it, right? How many love the movie Gladiator? Well, you know, the guys that were in the arena were Christians. <laughs> That's where they took them to have their fun. The Christians got eaten by tigers and lions in front of the crowds as they cheered for their blood to be spilled. That was Rome. So, yeah, we live in a really rough world, but it's been rough before. And Paul's saying, yeah, I know you live in this, this culture, but don't conform to it. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Yeah. God has his identity imprinted upon you. Like she said, his face is upon us. His identity is written upon us. And he's warning us, be careful. Don't be conformed. Don't, and here, don't let religion squeeze you into its mold either. Come on. There's a religious mold that wants everyone to be bricks. Because bricks are easy to control. Like if everyone here is a brick, it'd be really easy to function and build something because everyone's the same size, same shape, same weight. There's no rough edges. We're all exactly the same. But Jesus didn't come to build a church with bricks. He actually said he came to build a church of living stones. And every stone is different. Different textures, different sizes, different, different corners on it and shapes like we are not the same. And that's what he wants to build his church with. So religion would love to come in and say, yeah, don't let the world conform you, but we will so that we can control. But Jesus wasn't interested in that. He's like, be partakers of heavenly, heavenly culture. Partake of the divine nature of God, because then when you do that, your mind will be transformed and you will be renewed. And you will think differently about everything. And whenever you get to that situation, then you will know God's will in every situation for your life. How many want to know God's will for your life in every area? Like, man, I'm like, I don't, I don't know why I didn't do this more when I was younger, but I'm like, God, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to solve this. I, I just don't know. I need you, Jesus, to give me your mind for this situation. Because when I look at it, it's not a good, I don't compute to good outcomes. So he says, there's a place for you to come. 
Don't be conformed. Have your mind transformed. And then when your mind is transformed, your whole being will transform. And then you'll be able to know God's will. And not only will you know his will, you'll begin to demonstrate his will. You'll begin to show people this is the way of God. Come on. Are you all good? Can we go to the next one? Thank you. Other way. Sorry. Yeah. Here's a really important point for us today. We want to build an apostolic culture. All right. And I'll get into more a little bit about that. I'm just kind of scraped the surface of this topic for now. But if we only feel connected to heaven and its resources when we gather together with other believers, then we're doing this wrong. If I only feel confident that I can hear God's voice if I'm in a worship service, then I'm just missing the fullness. It's still good. Don't stop doing the other part. Let's just add more opportunities for him to speak to us. If I don't think that in the middle of my rage or in the middle of my storm or in the middle of my chaos or the middle of my loneliness that he doesn't want to reveal himself and speak to me, I'm doing this wrong. He doesn't want to just come to a house of God. The Bible says in the Old Testament that it was never God's desire to live in a in a dwelling made by man's hands. He never wanted to do that. David wanted to create a a dwelling place for God. And it was all prophetic and we could get into all that. But God never wanted to live in a tent or a tabernacle or a church. He wanted to live in the hearts of all his people and he wanted to live on the entire earth. Amen. And so if we think that we're only powerful, it can only hear God and only see miracles or healings or prophetic words when we gather under the banner of Christianity, then we're missing the whole point. You are ambassadors of Christ, every single one of us. I put the stat up there because it's really good to know. Only three percent of the entire church population gets paid to work at a church or go to church. That means 97 percent of the kingdom of God is in the marketplace where it needs to be. Which means we should be doing a better job of empowering and training you to do ministry in the marketplace. Those that have what we would call secular jobs. I don't want to to have a church where we train people to do Bible studies inside the church only. I want a church where we train people to take the Bible study skim off all the church language for it and use those things in the world and bring the wisdom of God into your workplace. I know a lot of uh, uh, businesses, there are a lot of people in our church that run teams and you have communications with your teams. What if you worked in the wisdom of God into those communications with your team on how to make it unified and you, you, you have accomplished more there than hosting a Bible study with other people that are already on their way to heaven. And I'm not against the Bible study. We need to do it. It's good for us to gather together with believers because the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. So we do that, but we can't abandon the apostolic calling that's upon us as a church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. How many of you are preachers? You better raise your hand. Come on. It's a trick question. Every single one of us are preachers. You have been called to preach the gospel. How many can prophesy? We all should prophesy. And where is prophecy most needed? Whew, in the marketplace. Let me think about this for a minute. So today we had this beautiful moment after worship where the Lord came in 
and reminded us how close he is to us in our suffering. Do you know how many people we cross every single day that have lived in torment and suffering for years, for decades, and not one time has someone come in and poured encouragement of that truth into their life? You're not alone. There is a Savior who cares about what you're going through. Do you know what that would do to someone? That single mom that you work with who's just working three jobs to try to pay for stuff and she's overwhelmed trying to carry both burdens of father and mother and she needs to know I'm not alone and I do matter and it does matter what I'm doing. What if you were that water that was poured upon her? That's what we're called to do. Amen. It's an apostolic culture. It's not a, it's not a come to the church only culture. You are the sent ones. Everyone say I'm a sent one. That's what the word apostle means, sent ones. We talked about Rome, and what they would literally do is they would go and conquer territories, and they would send what they called apostles to those territories, and their purpose and their goal was to take the ways, the culture, the government, the atmosphere of Rome, and take it to that new location that's completely different than Rome, and make it feel like Rome. So that if you were in Rome, you're like, okay, this is Rome. It feels the, the cultural relevance of Rome. And if you went to that distant, faraway place and you were Roman and you went there, you would feel like, man, I'm home. This feels like Rome. Jesus used those words to call his disciples, you are apostles. You are my apostles. And I'm sending you into the world to take the heaven the heaven atmosphere that is culturally relevant to us, that is our home. And I'm sending you into the world to make the world like heaven, to make your workplace feel like heaven, to make your home feel like heaven. Are you all okay? This is the call. We are connected to heaven throughout the week. It doesn't disconnect. Whether we're at home, at work, in the community, we are in his presence carrying the kingdom with us everywhere we go. We're a family. We're at the table with our Father, and we have access always to everything He has. Amen? Amen? Thank you. We are an apostolic house with an apostolic culture. If we don't believe that, we won't be it. Yeah. Like, man, that just sounds like a, a, a strange word. Remember, the definition of, of apostolic is sent ones. That we're empowered by the, by the Holy Spirit and we're sent into the world to bring heaven to earth. We're sent to our homes to bring heaven to our homes. We practice this. We're learning this, right? How many are learning this right now? Like, I got I to gotta make my home feel like heaven. My car feel like heaven. When people come around me, they should feel heaven. Amen? Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. We're going to go through this pretty quickly. But it says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers... Come on, you're no longer strangers or foreigners, but you are fellow citizens and saints and members of the house of God. So we weren't connected to God. We weren't citizens of heaven. And Jesus came and brought us in and says, you're not strange anymore. You're not foreign anymore. You have now become a citizen of heaven in the household of God. And you're having been built, come on, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Everyone say apostles and prophets. 
So the church is supposed to be built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building is being fitly joined together. And it grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place for the spirit of God. What he's saying is that the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. And then upon that foundation is the apostles and the prophets, the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. And we build upon what they teach, their foundation. Okay. In Revelation 5 verse 10, he says, and he has made us, why don't you read this with me, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign where? Where? He has made us a kingdom of kings and priests, not so that we reign in heaven only, but so that we reign here on earth as ambassadors, as apostles, low, small a, apostles, sent ones who bring heaven to earth. All right, one more scripture verse. I'm going to read it in two versions. 1 Corinthians 4, verses fi verse 15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors or tutors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. But in Christ Jesus, I have become your father. <laughs> I have begotten you through the gospel. The Passion Translation says it like this. For although you have countless babysitters <laughs> in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong. See that the teaching role is important in a church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? But if we only, if we build the church on the teacher, we will only have a mindset of what we're not doing right. Because a teacher exposes wrong thinking. A teacher exposes how our thinking is this way and God's thinking another way. So we become aware of how our thinking needs to adjust to God's. He's saying you may have a thousand of these teachers or babysitters or tutors, but all you're learning from them, it's beneficial, but all you're learning is what you're not doing right. But you don't have many fathers who will correct you in love. And that's the key to an apostolic house, having fathers and mothers who will correct in love. But he says, I'm a true father to you. And I became a father when I gave you the gospel and I brought you into union with Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Amen. You're getting a, a quick snapshot of a, what an apostolic culture looks like. So I'm going to, there's two more slides coming up that's going to outline some things and I'm going to go through it really quickly. So in an apostolic culture is in the gold on the left and a denominational culture is on the right. So a denomination means the doctrines that we say we agree to so that we can be part of a fellowship. All right. So in an apostolic culture, we gather around God's presence. Okay. Like, that's the main reason we're here. If we have a Bible study, the goal isn't to just have a Bible study. The goal is that he shows up and we do what he wants us to do. It doesn't matter what it is. If we have a, a, a bake sale, an outreach, or if we have a fun gathering, we're going out and throwing axes or something, and he shows up is what we want. We want him to show up, and we want to host his presence. That is an apostolic culture. It's like Shagun opened the service. We're bending our heart towards him. So that we can sense any time his presence uh, rises in a room or increases in a room and we just go with him. That's an apostolic mindset. But a denominational mindset says we gather in this room because we all agree. We're, we're here. We're, we're part of this fellowship because we agree with the doctrine. 
Or we hang out with, with this group of friends because we have the same lifestyle, the same beliefs. That's a doctrinal mindset. An apostolic culture is apostle prophet led, right? We just read that. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But a denomination is built upon a pastor teacher. They're vital. They're important. But it has to be the foundation of Jesus, the cornerstone, apostles, prophets, and then the pastor, teacher, and evangelist come in and build the house, right? The apostolic is of covenant relationships. Let me show you a picture of this. Covenant relationship is I am going to stick with you no matter what you do. And you are going to stick with me no matter what I do. Now, because I love you, I don't want to do anything that causes you not to want to be with me. So we live in the tension of, I know you're not going anywhere because we're in covenant, but I don't want to do anything that makes you go somewhere. That's a covenant. Jesus had covenant relationship with his disciples. And how many knows that one of them the whole time he knew was going to betray him? Yet he was in covenant with him to the end. That is an apostolic culture. But a denominational culture is completely different. It's hierarchy, it's structure, it's, it's this pyramid where the, all the, the unimportant people serve the really talented, gifted people at the top. That's not the kingdom. Apostolic culture is a culture of honor where everyone receives honor. Everyone receives honor, not just people that deserve it. Man, this is, just a, this is just good right here. I'm going to plug this in here. We don't show honor to people because people deserve honor. We show honor to people because we are honorable. Are you all okay? Yeah? yeah? You promise? You sure? Yeah. <laughs> you got to convince me. All right. In the denomination, honor only goes one way. We honor the people at the top. We honor the leadership. We honor the this or that. But in a culture of honor, we honor everyone. An apostolic culture is focused on love and freedom and responsibility. I'm loved so that I'm free. And because I'm free, I choose to take responsibility. But in a denomination, it's fear because I need to be controlled. And to be controlled, I'm punished. You see the difference. It's subtle. But there's a huge difference between the two. In an apostolic culture, everyone is powerful. Everyone say, I'm powerful. Everyone's powerful. I like to say it this way. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to get involved. But in a denominational atmosphere, only a few people are involved. We don't want this. Apostolic, there are no glass ceilings. There are no lids. There's like, oh, I can only go so far here or you can't exceed this person because they're, they're in this role and you can't have equal giftings or, or even be better at this gifting than they are because we don't know what to do when, when people are powerful. So we got to put these lids to keep you in place. But in a kingdom culture, in an apostolic culture, there are no glass ceilings and lids. But in, in the denominational one, there are, they're there and you only know they're there when you bump up against them. We're transitioning out of this, all right? Apostolic, God calls you. His calling determines your role. In a denomination, it's your talent and your abilities. Oh, you're really good at this thing? Then you get to go do it. That's not the apostolic. Apostolic says, you may not be the best at this thing, but you have been called to do it. So you're doing it. Because the anointing will make up for the talent. Amen? Quickly, priesthood of all believers. All right? Everyone's a priest. In the denomination, 
Only people on the stage minister. Only the clergy, only people that have gone to Bible school, they minister. And an apostolic is kingdom driven, but the denomination is Pharisee driven. All right? Two more quick slides. This is a simplified picture to see what an apostolic culture looks like. Up, we want to encounter God. In, we want to become part of a family. Out, we're empowered. You have to have all three, up, in, and out. We, 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 we encounter God. We encounter one another as a part of a family. And then we go out as apostles, as sent ones. Amen? <clears throat> all right, last slide. An apostolic culture is a family of fathers and mothers who have sons and daughters who become fathers and mothers who have sons and daughters who become fathers and mothers. All right. It's a family. It's a supernatural culture. It's normal for supernatural things to happen in an apostolic culture. It is a place where disciples disciple nations, where I'm a disciple who's being discipled. And while I'm being discipled, I disciple people. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah okay. I feel like, is it warm? A little warmer than normal. I know that I'm feeling it up here myself. We got, we're, we're, we're down a couple ACs this, this morning, so we're, we're, we're limping along, but we're almost done, right? All right, so uh, apostolic culture is family. It's supernatural. It's disciples. And then it has a 100-year vision. It's thinking of, of, of not just living for now. It's thinking of legacy. Amen. And I, and I want us to have an apostolic culture, and that's what we're aiming for. We're going to figure out how to do this really well. And the key to it is don't be conformed to the culture, the pattern, the thinkings of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind so we can test and prove to others what God's will is. Amen. Once you stand, <clears throat> thank you for being patient. Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> Don't let the world squeeze you. Come on. <laughs> Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to just make sure... Did you have an encounter with God today? Did you feel his presence? Did you experience him? Because if not, I, I pray that right now you will. That right now he will speak to you. That he will come close to you. <clears throat> Jesus, why don't you just invite him? Come close. <laughs> We're going to end the service with a pause. We're just going to rest in his presence. The first thing I want us to pray into is the, that we would all believe and get the realization that we are empowered and we are sent ones. So would you just pray that? Would you just pray that to God? God, help me to believe I'm empowered and I am sent. That I am in a kingdom of kings and priests. That I've been called into the family. God, we ask you would activate us with the apostolic. Mm -hmm.
Jesus. All right. One more time, I want you to minister to your neighbor. I want you to ask them, do you need anything from God that you haven't received yet? Do you need healing? Do you need a prophetic word? Do you need your heart touched? Just ask them next to you, is there anything else you need from God that I can help you get right now? Because we're all sent ones, we're all empowered. And that's how we're going to close service. I just, I bless this time, this moment right now, God, as we minister to one another. We bless you with the realization, come on, that you are empowered, that you are a king and a priest, that you have access to heaven, you have access to his resources.